I invite you this morning to turn to Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah chapter 6. And I want to thank those who have led us in our praise and worship this morning. God is good. All the time, God is good. We've been reminded this morning, this is what the heart of worship looks like. This is what God longs and desires for his people to be about. And in a world that we live in today, in an evil world, in a world where a lot of bad things are going on, we are allowed to come into a room like this and just cut loose and worship the very one who created us. Boy, it's moments like this that you just want to soak up and hold on to forever, right? It's moments like this where you begin to realize here is what God is all about, here is who God is, and compared to God, as Isaiah helps us realize, we're a sinful people. But when we come to a holy God, He helps us realize where we can be because of Him. And so, in Isaiah chapter 6, hear this word this morning. It was in the year that King Uzziah died that I saw the Lord. He was sitting on a lofty throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Attending him were mighty seraphim, each having six wings, and with two wings they covered their faces, and with two they covered their feet, and with two they flew. And they were calling out to each other, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heaven's armies. The whole earth is filled with his glory. And their voices shook the temple to its foundations, and the entire building was filled with smoke. And then I said, it is all over. I am doomed, for I am a sinful man. I have filthy lips, and I live among a people with filthy lips. And yet I have seen the King, the Lord of heaven's armies. And then one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal that he had taken from the altar with a pair of tongs. And he touched my lips with it and said, See, this coal has touched your lips. Now your guilt is removed and your sins are forgiven. And then I heard the Lord asking, Whom shall I send as a messenger to this people? Who will go for us? And I said, Here I am. Send me. You know, when you look at Isaiah chapter 6, this is a crisis event in the life of Isaiah. And it brings him into his prophetic office, if you would call. I mean, it's amazing to understand that Isaiah's lifelong call and his lifelong ministry begins at the time that King Uzziah died. When you stop and look at that, one of the things that you begin to see about King Uzziah, he ruled for some 52 years. He was one of the greatest kings that ruled the southern kingdoms. And not only that, 
the people of the time began to realize that under the reign of King Uzziah, Israel prospered. And so Isaiah comes into office with that in mind, and now Uzziah is dead, and things don't look very good for the future of Israel's southern kingdom. But Isaiah enters the temple in order to make contact with God concerning this crisis time. And I'm wondering this morning as we look at this, I wonder if God may be calling us to enter back into his temple in a time of crisis. And so I ask you this morning, when things get really difficult in your life, where do you go? When things get really gloomy, where do you turn? For Isaiah, in a time of crisis, in a time of need, he entered the throne room of God. And here's what he saw. Even though King Uzziah was dead, he saw a divine king. And when you and I come face to face with the divine king, your life and my life will never be the same again. And so what Isaiah begins to realize at a crisis time like this in his life, he knew the only place to turn was God. He knew that the only place to be reminded that, hey, life is not over, life can still be lived, and life can still be lived in a good way, he was reminded of all of that when he turned back the throne and saw a heavenly king that said, things will be okay because I'm still alive. You know, we sing the song, our God, he is alive. But I wonder this morning, do we really live like that? Do we really live and do we really send a message to people before us that we serve a God that is well and alive? You know, every day we turn on the TV or we turn on uh, something, the radio, and we look at things and we begin to hear things and real quick, we're reminded of this. Things are not good in this world. Early yesterday morning, as you turn on the TV, what's the one thing that's all over the news? The crisis in Dallas. The threat and the terror that took place from one individual that could have affected many, many lives. And I love how the chief of police of Dallas put it. He said, as one of my officers said a moment ago, we were all lucky. He said, I don't like that word lucky. We were blessed. Folks, we are blessed to live where we live. We are blessed to be able to be in a room like this and worship God. Staff, you are blessed to enter into the gates of a pretty safe place where kids are ushered into from all sorts of family background. And as they enter the gates of Camp Deer Run, you have the opportunity within that week or that two weeks to help them remember that God is ultimately the one that's in control of this world. And not only is he in control of this world, God longs to be in control of your life. We live in a world where we have to live that out. 
And so in a world of violence, in a world of war, in a world of moral depravity, in a world of gangs, in a world of drugs, in a world of other disturbing things, what we need, once again, just like Isaiah needed, we need a fresh vision of who God is. And as Isaiah rolled back the curtain, even though for some 52 years he comes behind a great king, he comes behind a king that people liked and people loved and people prospered under. He sees the king of kings and the Lord of lords who is in control of everything. And that same king then is the same king today who longs to be in control of your life. Who longs to be in control of the world that you live in. And so as we come and as we enter into a time of worship like this, just like Isaiah, we catch a vision of who God is. And do you see what Isaiah did? When Isaiah begins to realize who God is, what does he say? Man, it's over. I'm doomed. I'm a sinful man and I have filthy lips and I live among a people who have filthy lips, but I've seen the king, the Lord of lords, and it's almost like I don't know what to do because of that. And then do you see how God works? One of the seraphim flies over with a burning coal and touches his lips and says, this coal has touched your lips. And now your guilt is removed. You know what that is? That's just another reminder of how God works. That's just another reminder that God doesn't give up on his people. And so this morning I want you to picture a seraphim flying over to you because as we enter into a time like this and as we worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords, we begin to realize our God is so holy and I'm not. But God reminds us just like he did Isaiah. And you know what? God can use whatever it takes. Then it took a seraphim. And I don't know what it'll take today to wake you up and to wake myself up and to wake this world up, but God can use it. And God will use that instrument of whatever it is to wake us up to realize, man, we stand among a holy God. And you know what a holy God wants from his people holiness god says i am holy be holy as i am holy what these campers need to see and what people need to see in the lives of all of us they need to see people living holy lives and when they see that coming from our heart lives will be changed. Lives will be touched. And so for Isaiah, he needed to be reminded, it's not over. God's not through with you yet. God is still going to use you. God's still going to work in your life. I like to look at it like this. It's like the gardener is setting the garden, which is our lives, back in the order that he created it to be. And I wonder this morning, what is it that needs to be recreated 
in your life? What, what part of your life have you just given up on? Because I want to tell you, we serve a God that has been resurrected. And that resurrected power can take care of any sin and any problem and any shortcoming that you may have. And so you say, I'm not the person that I want to be. Praise God for that. And when you look at God and when you worship a God like we are worshiping right now, you begin to see this is who I want to be like. I want to be like the one that can touch me and that can make me whole and that can put me back in life where I need to see. And so as we worship, not only do we catch a vision of God, we catch a vision of ourselves. As Isaiah cried out, I'm as good as dead. And he didn't know what to do about that. When we truly enter the presence of God, it cannot be anything but a humbling experience. Because we recognize that God is God and we are not. I don't know in your own walk right now, I don't know what you struggle with. I don't know where you want to be, where you long to be, but I know this, the only one that can take you there is Almighty God. And when God brings you to the place, not just where you want to be, but where he wants you to be, beautiful things can take place with your life. And so in worship, we catch a vision of God's grace. We see Jesus' words played out in Isaiah's experience as he humbles himself and he's lifted up and the angel comes with that coal from the fire and purifies Isaiah's lips because in worship, not only do we just catch a glimpse of our own inadequacy in the face of God, what we realize is God can deal with that. And so in worship, God comes and not only does he deal with that inadequacy, he restores and he purifies and he forgives our lives. Where would we be right now without God's forgiveness? Where would we be right now without God's mercy and his grace? And so, in many ways, we want to say what Isaiah said. We're doomed. But on the other hand, we realize when we come face to face with Almighty God, we realize there is hope because God is still alive. He's still well and he's still working in our lives. And so just as Isaiah did in worship, we catch a vision of our call. And it's in this experience of worship that Isaiah receives his life call, and he says, whom shall I send? Who will go for us? I spoke up, and he said, I'll go. Here I am. Send me. So I wonder this morning, can you say those words? Here I am, God. Use me. Send me. Let me be the one. In the most humbling way that I can, let me be the one that you'll work through and that you'll use. Will you allow him to do that? 
Will you submit your own desires and your own wishes and your own will over to the one who not only created you, but also the one who can work and work and work in ways that we cannot even begin to understand? Just like Isaiah, God longs for his people to say, Here I am. Here I am, Lord. Use me. Here I am, Lord. Send me. You know, we live in a world today where it's easier to say, let somebody else do that, or call somebody else, or send somebody else. When will we finally take ownership and say, Lord, here I am. Send me. And maybe your example can stir other people to say the same thing. What a great example Isaiah set for us. What a humbling example Isaiah set for us. Here I am, Lord, send me. And so if you're wondering what God's call on your life is, just beyond the basics of his call on all of our lives, I think one of the ways to hear that call is to spend time in worship. And to sing these songs of praise and to lift our voices in prayer and praise and reflection of who God is. And it helps us reorient things in our life. It helps us to shape who God wants us to be. And so I wonder this morning, will you allow God to take you where you are and to shape you and to mold you into who he wants you to be. You see, as, as we come together in a time like this, you know, let's ask this question. How, how do we practice this discipline of worship? I think one of the ways we do that is we come and participate. You know, worship is not just a spectator performance. It's not just a time where we just sit down and we just listen. It's a time where we participate. It's a time where we are ushered in to the throne room of God and we can't help but be involved. We can't help but worship the very one who created us for this time right now because it's this time right now that helps get our heart and our soul and our mind ready for another week to live in this world for another week to go out and to tell people and to display to people before us and to reflect to people before us the glory of God. When God looks at your life. When God looks at your heart. When God looks at your soul. What does he see? The meaning of the word glorify simply means to reflect. And so as we glorify God with our mouths, 
may we come to reflect him more and more with our lives. And I heard the Lord asking, Whom should I send as a messenger to this people? Who will go for us? And Isaiah answered, Here I am, send me. Can you say those words today? My prayer for each one of us is to reflect the glory of God. Reflect the glory of God to the campers. Reflect the glory of God to your spouse. Reflect the glory of God to your kids. Reflect the glory of God to everybody that you come in contact with. Reflect the glory of God back to the one who created us. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. And we stand in awe of who you are. And Father, as we have had this time this morning to reflect and to worship and to lift our voices in praise and worship to you, we thank you for moments like this. And may we live this out in our life, Father. May we reflect not only your glory, but may we reflect through our lives that you are in control of all things. Father, we thank you for your Son and our Savior Jesus, who died for us and who enabled us to live. And Father, just as that seraphim flew over and touched the lips of Isaiah and gave him the reassurance that he can live life, we pray that you continue to touch our hearts, Father, and that you will continue to forgive and to restore and to purify our lives. And it's to Jesus we pray this morning. And all of God's people said, Amen. Let's stand as we sing a song of invitation. If there's anything that we can do for you this morning, we invite you to come as we sing this song.